Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the final hour is here on this Thursday edition. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Chad's got the chips and queso Brooke inspired as, me. as promised. Brooke inspired me. She reminded me, you know what? Nothing's stopping you. Go get some. And I did. And now they're on the table. I won't get to them, though, nope. until after we get done talking with our next guest. That's because right. Because we're excited to talk to him. No doubt. Lights out. John Merriman joins us back on the show. Glad you're with us on Outkick, man. Hope things are well. What's up, guys? I'm, I'm a little jealous. You got food over there, and I don't. So, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll let you know how it is, Sean. I, I'm sure it's going to be delicious. I'll make you a little bit more jealous after I have a few. Was it difficult for you to keep weight on during the season? What was your calorie intake when you played? You know, during the all season, man, I typically walked around about 272, 273, and I played around 262. So ten pound fluctuates. Uh, but we did have some guys, man, that couldn't keep up the weight. Who would uh when we have the weekly weigh-ins, they would take the two and a half to five pound weights and slide them in to their pans so the so the trainers didn't know just so they could make weight. I wasn't one of those guys, but uh the other guys definitely did that. What was the fine for missing weight? I think it was about a five hundred to a thousand dollars a pound that you missed. Oh. So yeah, yeah we, so we, if you got the five pound weights, you're trying to save save a little cash in your pocket for the flight. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're talking about 3,000 or so. And we had some of the guys who would just go up, the big offensive lineman, the defensive lineman, to just pay their fine before the year, right? Cut them a check for 25,000 say, look, I'm going to be overweight. <laughs> there it is. I love that. Where would the money go? Oh, to the you know, NFL.com, right? <laughs> <laughs> the NFL Charity Needed uh, Deep Pockets Association. That's where it went. Lights out extreme fighting. Uh, last time we had you on, I believe it was Lights Out 8. Now it's 10 coming up, I believe, next Saturday. Tell us about it, and uh, this grows and grows. Yeah, we got a big fight uh, next Saturday at the Casino Palma in San Diego. So if you guys are in San Diego, get your tickets at lightsoutxf.com. We got a nice uh, partnership going with Fanatics. You can get 20% off your uh, uh, Fanatics purchase uh, by going to lightsoutxf.com. Get a ticket there. So if you don't have that. If you're not there, watch us on Fubo, Fubo TV, Fubo Sports, man. We'll be live on Fubo August 26th in San Diego. I want to get your take on this. So wh where are we headed in the fight game? Not from the boxing ring, but from MMA. Uh, and no, and I'm tying it in with what Jake Paul and, and what they've done. Uh, the celebrity aspect of it is more than the actual sport itself and the build. I think boxing's in a pretty good spot right now compared to years past, personally. But uh, UFC, it's UFC or bust right now. Can you, have, or can you model the same concept in the, in the cage like they're doing in the boxing ring? You could. You could. It's a little bit of a different discipline. But, you know, I think the people need to understand that there's a separation between entertainment and boxing, right? So, no doubt. you know, yeah. I, I, I think the Nate Diaz and, and Jake Paul fight was great. It was entertaining, right? It was entertainment. It wasn't a boxing fight, quote unquote. I mean, I, you're not looking for you know top notch, high level boxing. It's not sweet science. Was it entertaining? Yeah, was it entertaining? Yeah, I, I bought it. I watched. Yeah. I was entertained. 
And I think a lot of other people there too. What we do, man, we're, we have for Lights Out Extreme Fight, we have the next up and coming superstars, right? We want to find that young Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey, or, or, you know, just, you know, the Michael Chandlers and Connors of the world. We want those guys. We want to grow the, with those guys. Um, and, and a lot of them end up taking off and, and, and sign a big contract at UFC. And we're, we're fine with that. So the the celebrity angle to this, you know, I think Amelia of Elon Musk and, and Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. And you talked about the entertainment versus the sport of it, Sean. Can, can two normal guys getting in the ring, even if they're famous, uh, it, it, can that be entertaining with the discipline we're talking about and, and mixed martial arts fighting if, if it is those two guys? I know a lot of people pay to watch it, but will it be any good? Yeah, because if you get two bad people, it looks really good on TV, right? It's, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, yeah, they definitely have amateur fights. And by the way, look, if Elon Musk and, and Mark Zuckerberg, if they fought, it'll be the biggest fight of all time. I don't think people understand that. So it's not, you know, not just one of these things. You're talking about two guys that's famous off of the streets. You're talking about two tech giants. If that happens, it'll be one of, not, not one of the biggest fights. It'll be the biggest fight of all time. And so for us, yeah, we can ha actually have celebrities. And you have basic training. We can have amateur matches. I wouldn't mind matching two guys up on amateur fights and if they were just celebrities and people would love to love to see those guys scrap. Do you think they really do it or do you think it's just talk? From whose side with Mark Zuckerberg or just the celebrities in general? No, Zuckerberg and Musk, yeah. I would, well, Zuck, Zuck wants to go. Zuck wants to fight. I think it's Elon's side that doesn't want to push forward. You know, Mark Zuckerberg has been training jiu-jitsu and doing tournaments for the last two years. So he's equipped to go and have a fight right now. And I think eventually he probably will take a fight, maybe in UFC, maybe not. But at the end of the day, I think he will take a fight. But there's this is this is going to open a door. This is why this sport MMA and, and why I'm doing so much over at Lights Out Extreme Fighting, we're just we're just watching the, the ice of the tip, the tip of the iceberg. If Mark Zuckerberg and, and Elon Musk fight, you're going to have big CEOs. You're going to have big CEOs from all over the world challenging each other because, you know what, somebody has to do something to break the ice. And that's what's going to happen. When If these guys go and scrap, you're going to have big CEOs from Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies to say, you know what, if they can do it, I can do it. Speaking of fighting, we had someone in the YouTube chat ask this question earlier and said, are there more fights at training camp and at joint practices now as opposed to before? My response was, no, there's just more video of those fights that happen at training camp. You would know firsthand, Sean. What, what do you think about fighting you see or hear about now at NFL training camps versus when you were playing? It's just more cameras, like you said. Uh, that's about it. And you know what? If I was a coach... I would be more concerned if there was no fights at all, right? I saw Andy Reid come out when Travis Kelsey threw a couple of punches in practice and say, oh, this is a waste of time. Don't do it. Yeah, you don't want to promote a fight. But guess what, guys? This is a physical combat, you know, very violent, aggressive com competition. You're seeing the same guy every day. I mean, something is bound to happen, right? And you're in training camp, the dog days. You're, mental, you're mentally wearing down. You're physically wearing down. And all it takes is just an offensive lineman just to push you a little bit after the play, and that's it. You might have been looking at this guy all day in the cafeteria. You might have felt he was looking at you the wrong way, and he couldn't wait to get to practice to fight you. And so those guys are brothers. They're family, and anybody that say they haven't fought with anyone in their family before would be lying. So I, I, I just think it's normal. It's a part of it. And it's like you said, it's more cameras around to capture what's going on. You sound like Deion Sanders talking about it, who talked to his Colorado team and said, we want to promote a family atmosphere and families fight 
at times and got onto his players not for fighting, but for the players who didn't get involved in the fight when their teammates started fighting at, at practice recently. Off. It sounds like you'd fit in well on, on Dion's staff, possibly, Sean, if you were to coach yeah. with him at Colorado. I, I think we got a very like like minded mindset. Um, and, and and I want to just kind of break this down to people when they heard him say, hey, I want everybody fighting. He's not a promoting the fight. It's just that those two guys, when you see your teammates, your brothers over there fighting, don't mean you have to go over there and fight. You could be going over there to break it up. But don't see a big commotion or someone jumping on your on your guy's back or, or he's getting, you know, uh, teamed up on and you're walking away like nothing happened. So what he's what Deion Sanders is basically saying is, hey, you guys get your get your asses over there. You may not have to fight, but go break up a fight. But don't walk away when you see guys over there getting physical. And that's setting the tone across across the entire program. Go over there and get in the action, whether you're fighting or breaking it up. I do not want to see my two guys walking away from from a from a, a scrum like that. Lights out ten uh, coming up next Saturday night. Uh, lights out with extreme fighting. You can visit lightsoutxf.com for more. Sean Merriman, our guest. Sean, I was burned on the Chargers last year. The defense was not good. Uh, I was all in though at this time last year on the Los Angeles Chargers. Can I go all in with them again? Have they turned a corner? You you have to. You have to. And and people talk about them getting, you know, booted out the playoffs by Jacksonville Jaguars, that big upset. They came back, lost, took the foot off the gas. Yes, I get that. Let's talk about the injuries they had during the season. They had uh, Joey Bosa down for an extended period of time. J.C. Jackson went down. Khalil Mack went down. Uh, Justin Herbert hurt his ribs, I think, the third or fourth game of the year against KC. There were injuries. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams only spent half the season together. So if you look at the injuries and things that happened last year, Really, they shouldn't have been in the playoffs in the first place. I mean, really, they shouldn't have been there. And so, you know, I guess that's a silver lining of things, but let's not make the mistake and people are not talking about it enough. Kellen Moore, we're seeing it now during the, during the, you know, the offseason and training camp. Kellen Moore is the biggest addition to any coaches, to the coaching staff of any coaches in the National Football League. I know Ben and me, and all, uh, all these guys are great. They got some new coaches coming around. People are not talking about Kellen Moore enough and what he is what he's going to be able to do with this offense. You got the quarterback with the strongest arm. You got a new wide receiver from uh, from TCU, Johnson, who can stretch the field down the field. Great route running like Cannon Island. Possession wide receiver like Mike Williams. Everett, Eckler. We, we, people are just not talking about them, about Kellen Moore in this addition to that offense enough. Who is the best defensive player in football right now? Overall player. Um, You know, I... I it's hard. I mean, I love Fred Warner. I love guys that play off the ball, but I think the most do, most dominant guy right now, in my opinion, is Nick Bosa. In, in my opinion, I, I just think that when you have a pass rusher uh, that requires a double team at all all times, it, I mean, look, you can you can throw Aaron Donald up there. I'm, it's it's hard, but I'm just speaking from the outside linebacker and the pass rusher. So Aaron Donald, Nick Bosa, I would say one or two. But anybody who you that demands a, a double team when you got to adjust your offensive playbook because he's on the field, those are the guys you look at are keys uh, to being dominant players. Talking to a couple players, that pound for pound, and we'll stick it with the fight game here, like just the top to bottom football player, not just on defense. Many say Micah Parsons. Are you in on that boat and that camp? I, yeah, I, this is my thing of Micah Parsons, and I, and I told him this personally, and I, and I really do believe this. Not only is he a freakish athlete, we haven't seen anything like him in the last decade and a half, maybe more, right? That speed, his leverage, and what he's capable of doing, 
I mean, last year when he took that 300-plus offensive lineman and he humped him over and threw him out the way like a like a 13-year-old kid, I knew automatically that this dude is different. What I want to see out of Micah Parsons this year is that now he has the notoriety. Everyone knows who he is. And from my first year and going from defensive rookie of the year, Pro Bowl, All-Pro, and to that second year, I've seen more blocks, stunts, double teams than you can ever imagine. So I want I want to see him now. He has that notoriety. And everyone knows about Micah Parsons and what he can do. And now people want to start keying on him. Can you go out and and not only play as you did before, but up your up your game now that everyone knows about you? Because they're coming out to scheme him. They got some good, yeah. some really good players on that defense. Lawrence, Van Der Esch, and they got guys in that defense. But Micah Parsons, there's no one like him. Who's the current quarterback you'd love to get after? If you could play today and compete against one of these quarterbacks, who's the guy you'd like to see on the field? Patrick Mahomes. That that I mean, he, he's such a he's such a dynamic player and his capabilities and what he can do. Um, there was a play some years ago um, when Vaughn Miller was ch- chasing him from behind, and he would. Uh, Pat was going left, and he was going left, and he was being chased down behind by, uh, by Von Miller. He switched the ball to his left hand and still threw the ball down the field for a completion. Anyone else in the entire National Football League, that is a sack. This guy can do things that we haven't seen anybody do before. So I always wanted to make my name off of going against some of the best guys and say, you know what, I shut that guy down. He's the best in the league. And if you look back at my career and the sacks that I had against Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and these guys – that I Ben Roethlisberger, I did that because those were the great quarterbacks. As an outside linebacker, defensive player, that's how you make a name for yourself by playing well against the greats. Jeb, was it him that was talking uh, about being nice to the defense? Yeah, the, the um, I don't know if you've seen it, but the quarterback series on Netflix that followed Mahomes and, and two other guys for an entire season, Mahomes claims that he thinks that subconsciously defenders let up on him because he's always overly nice to everyone who sacks him and tells them good hit, and he's always telling them good job on everything, so he thinks that maybe they'll let up on me at times they have a chance to really drive me into the ground, uh, to which I'm thinking it's probably the rules of the game yeah. that maybe have changed Saving that more than anything change. else. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely the rules, man. I, look, <laughs> he, he's, uh, I, watched, I watched the quarterback, uh, quarterback series on Netflix. I thought it was great. Yep. Um, I know a lot of guys have turned it down, but I would like to see them more guys come on board. I, I think it was a it was an insight on how great some of these guys are. Um, but I think it's the rule changes. I, I don't think anybody's doing any, anything extra nice or extra kind to lay a guy down. They land a guy down because they don't want that thirty thousand dollar fine in their locker a couple of days later after the game. Yeah, better not even touch the quarterback at that point. Lights out, extreme fighting presented by Family First Live. Lights out, ten coming up a week from Saturday. John, final minute here. Tell us why to get this. Yeah, it'll be live on Fubo Sports, Fubo TV. If you guys don't have Fubo, get it. Uh, this is our biggest car yet. Um, we've sold the most tickets so far. Maybe it's put because we're going back in you know, San Diego uh, that we have in the history of the company. It's going to be great. Got a bunch of military and Camp Pendleton um, uh, soldiers coming out. This one's just going to be awesome. Got some great partners. You said our partner, Family First Life, uh, Maverick Gaming. Uh, ghost energy we got some great great sponsors on board so um just just happy about this but you guys check us out on football tv football sports and if you're in san diego lights out xf.com oh fanatics if you guys are looking for 20 percent off fanatics get a ticket to lights out xf.com and get your 20 percent off fanatics you are a born promoter man good job right. with all this uh, this is this is what you should be doing i'm all right i'm not bad
Hey, man, it, it, this continues to grow and build. Congratulations on it. Yeah, I know and, it's a lot uh, of hard work. We look too. forward to following it for sure. We appreciate you, Sean, as always. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Sean Merriman there. Uh, NFL lights Defensive out. Rookie of the Year. Oh, lights, the lights out story from the last time he visited with us was phenomenal. I'm glad he watched the quarterback series also, so he had uh, something to say about it. I'm with him, too. I, I hate the guys are turning it down. I understand contract situation, or well, some people are more private. Jalen Hurts being one of them. Herbert turned it down because I'm, I'm boring. That's, that was he just to me. I don't think I'll be good on the show because I'm boring. I think if you saw the first season, it, it's going to make everyone look interesting. Marcus Mariota looked interesting in this. Hutton, you covered Marcus Mariota. Good dude. Behind the scenes, great dude. But yeah, like but in front of a camera, most, boring. Yeah, not the most outgoing guy, you know. But he is interesting the way this is shot. And the way this is done. So I wouldn't be afraid at all if I were one of these guys to do it. Well, there'll be, there'll be season three and four. Yeah. This will be the new hard knocks. Well, season two popularity, looks good. I'm saying. With Aaron Rodgers a part of it. Well, I'm saying Aaron Rodgers on hard knocks is popular, but who knows who's next year? Yeah. You know what I mean? Coming up, the Tuies, they say, hey, conservatorship, it could end with Michael Orr. Details there and more on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrose. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad tried to do it. He tried to finish the last chips and queso uh, prior to the break coming back, and you nearly, you nearly did it. What this, I'm finding is If chips, this were the hot dog eating competition, this would have counted, by the way. Yeah, there's no time to talk during a, a short break to, when you're eating, trying that's, to finish something. That's also, no doubt you know, true. I found that... Um, Chips are not something that stick really well on the, the molars. <laughs> you know, as you talk, it's like grinding sand, sort of. So as we go through the segment, I'm going to slowly <laughs> continue chewing the rest of the chips because it's really up in the molars. Uh, can, can we get into your dilemma on vehicle? Can we do this for a minute? What sure. you're looking at? You don't yeah. have to mention the brands and stuff. Well, I'm looking. Hot I, with, I'm, with our rolls on. I, I'm looking. Chad has been talking about a truck for years. Mm -hmm. You may be, you may be on the eve of getting one. Can we? I'm, I'm go jealous test drive. of this, by the way. I'm going to go test drive a couple trucks tomorrow. I'll be test driving a Ford F-150 and a Chevy Colorado. If anyone has any suggestions a, on either one, is Royce in the chat to give you his take? Uh, I'm sure Royce knows all about them, so he's going to tell me both the, the pros and the cons <laughs> okay. uh, of both of them. I've long wanted a Ford F-150, but uh, I'm also trying to be practical and knowing that I'm going to be driving this vehicle downtown every day and parking it in a, in a smaller lot. You know, so I'm trying to think about gas mileage and all of that, right? To try to try to plan it out, but yeah. Some financial decisions have to be made. Yep, sure. Some things will be cut. Some no things won't. Um, it's, it's basically, I've got a car with 200,000 miles on it. That's going to cost me, I found out today, I think $1,600 to repair. 
And you're worried about other repairs, and if you're going to put more money into the repairs than what you could pay on the monthly car, on the new truck. Yeah, I'm not a big car person. Most people would have gotten a different car two or three years ago. I will drive my cars into the ground, but mm. it just may be time to go Same. ahead and get something else. So I'm trying to figure that out. But if anyone has suggestions, please. What was your first on car? Twitter, on, uh, on the YouTube feed also. My first car was a 1989 Navy Blue Jeep Cherokee. That yeah, was my I first had car. The, the 86 GMC Sierra Classic. Black, red stripe down the side. Loved it. I would buy that thing back in a heartbeat if I could. There was a, I told you, there was a guy who came off the mountain. A mountain man that drove up as I'm washing the truck in my driveway on the farm and offered me like $4,000 cash for it. And I talked to my dad. My dad is like my business associate. He's your consigliere. He's like, hey, you know, you can do it. It's, it's worth less than that, by the way, at the time. And he's, he's like, you can do it if you want. So I did it, and the truck just drove off out of the driveway. That's amazing. I love that your dad was so like, uh, you know, hey, got to make your own decisions. I was about to go to college. Make your own business decision. My grandfather, another grand story today, uh, he bought all of us grandkids a car, and he was not a rich man, but he would go and haggle with people or dealerships on used cars constantly. He bought this car from a coworker of his um, that did sheet metal, and he had this old car that was for his kid that was, uh, this was... You know, I, I was 16 in 1998 to date myself. This was a nine-year-old car, but it was a nice, like, I mean, for first cars, I think he got it for $3,000. Had a lot of mileage on it. Had over 100,000 miles. But an 89 Jeep Cherokee, I was thrilled with it. Loved yeah. it. Um, my second car when Is I went out it? to We're college. looking at right here? Uh, that's close to it. That one's probably a little bit older. Mine was like the... Um, Navy blue, and it had the gray on the bottom. So, like, half of the bottom was gray. You know what I'm talking about? It wasn't just the stripe on the bottom. Like, the bottom half yeah. was, like, gray this plastic. This has been keyed, too, it looks like. Yeah, my car <laughs> looks like it's been keyed also. It is not. I just happened to get too close to a, a, a truck with pipes sticking out the side of it when I was trying to pull around it, and it scraped the side of my car, uh, my current car. Second car, Hutton, which was my favorite vehicle ever, was a 1997 Isuzu Rodeo. Oh, and I, I mean, I could drive that thing today and be happy. Yeah. I love that vehicle. That was my transport to and from Knoxville to go to UT back and forth. The ride or die. So I needed the new car. You know, I, I need a new car because I'm going off to school and I've got to drive certain mileage. And yeah. so we got a you know, safer car with, uh, you know, less mileage on it, which was great. But, um, you know, what a time to be alive. Would you the, buy this, your cars back? This Jeep Cherokee is also not it. That, that one, those uh, tires are a little I, tricked out. For what it looks I like what your truck's gonna have now. Yeah, I had the, uh, I had the um, the the tires of like a Geo Prism on my Jeep Cherokee. They weren't <laughs> they weren't factory standard. They were a little small for it. They certainly weren't those. <laughs> it was great though. I remember the uh, leaving basketball practice. My car would take forever to start every time, and there'd be a guy on my team who'd wait. It could be 18 degrees outside with the hoodies on. And every time I'd start, he'd sit out in front of me. And he's like, all right, good, good. Like, every time that it actually starts. To make sure you were able to go. It was a joke. As a joke to him. He's like, all right. He would applaud. I would want him there in case it wouldn't start. Yeah, it always started. It always started. just took a little while. The back and forth started with Sean and Tui and Michael Orr. Well, based on them, years ago. 
uh, from the TUI side of things through their lawyer. Earlier this, this week on Monday, a uh, lawsuit filed in the Shelby County, Tennessee court uh, from Orr claiming that he was tricked into signing a conservatorship instead of being legally adopted. That has since been phrased as he signed this with the understanding that it would be an adoption. Chad, what do you make of that? Which, again, it's semantics on how they're phrasing things versus the wording in the actual court filing that we were reading from on Monday. And while the numbers are 100,000 here, 300,000 there, Michael Lewis, the, the author of The Blind Side, detailed that today in an interview with the New York Post. Um, what we haven't heard clarity on is the 2.5% residuals that or through his attorney filed through that lawsuit, that they want the financial records, and they've specifically mentioned the 2.5% deal that they worked out uh, using Orr's, uh, legally using Orr's name in the conservatorship authority to make that deal happen. Which someone is claiming that Orr opted out of that, right? He didn't want the royalties? No, no, he opted out of the $100,000 payment. Gotcha. Not, uh, from Lewis, not the film. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Look, here's what I make of all this. I mentioned it earlier, but Michael Orr made his accusations. Now the Tui family's come back and said, you can have the conservatorship, and here's what actually happened. And we're getting a lot of added parts to this story. Yes. Um, and, I, and I'm assuming if Michael Orr's got more in this and he's got a legitimate case that he's filed this lawsuit on, that we're going to hear more from Michael Orr. And we're going to get more hardline financial evidence from the Tuies about what exactly went on and what they got paid for the blind side and did they compensate everyone in the family, including Michael Orr, and all of those things. So a lot more to come on that. Here's something that really jumped out to me, Hunt, with this story. We can, we can talk about this from a broader perspective. Um, when reality gets in the way of a good story, the blind side was a great story. I've read the Michael Lewis book. It's terrific. The movie was very well done. It's a feel-good story, and it's entertaining. And the whole thing is really cool and well put together. But as we know, when stories are told through a third party, things get muddled a bit, especially when Hollywood is involved. And things can be changed and details can be added or left out or characters can be added and left out. And just the shocking nature and seeing the response to people of, are you telling me the blind side is a lie? And they really did this just to profit from the young man, which we don't have any evidence that they for sure did that. But that was the perception of people when Michael Orr decided to file the lawsuit and say that that's what happened. He was taken advantage of and that they were profiting off of his name and his ability, and he was left out in the cold and all of that, which was a shocking revelation to people. Yeah. I'm currently watching Winning Time on HBO about the Lakers' rise in the 80s. It is outstanding. Highly recommend everyone watching it. Um, great cast. Uh, lots of stars in it. Really, really well done. But what this show does also is they have a big disclaimer at the start that says while this is based on actual events, stories are added, characters are added, there are fill-in conversations that did not happen that are added to the show. Now, what it equates is a highly entertaining look back at a glorious time in the history of sport where the Los Angeles Lakers, led by Jerry Buss and Paul Westhead and Pat Riley and the emergence of Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the captain. All these crazy characters get together, and you've got this amazing sport drama. 
That sounds great. It's not all true. Even some of the characters aren't truly depicted on the show. So that stark realization of, I want what I'm watching or seeing or reading to be 100% true, and then when you find out it's not, how you come to grips with that at times can be difficult. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have any you know, moral problems with what winning time has done with anything. I enjoy it. Jerry I West it. might. I see it, yeah. But like you know, when they have a conversation, just an example, when Magic Johnson is on the phone with Cookie, the future Cookie Johnson, and they're having a conversation about his sex life in L.A., that conversation didn't happen, and Magic and Cookie are not consulting on the show to say it happened. So this is something to add context between the characters that's just created out of thin air, right? That, that stuff happens all the time uh, in Hollywood. I think people need to understand that and know that it's not 100% true. But the blind side was one that, oh, I feel good about this because I believe this all to be true. And now the retrospect, because of one of the principles, the principle of the story, Michael Lohr, years later, now is saying, 20 years later, is saying, hey, it's all a lie. I found out it was a lie recently. But it's just crazy to kind of come to grips with that. But 12 years ago, he was saying that as he knew Bobby Barak points out uh, through OutKick, um, or mentioned the two he's being conservators for him three times in his memoir. So he's he's done that, but he's also said like whatever he signed this uh, the conservatorship when he was three months uh, three months past his birthday and when he turned 18, uh, they they were the legal conservators. That was to, uh, in his mind, lead to the adoption. They explained to me that it means pretty much the exact same thing as adoptive parents, but that the laws were just written in a way that took my age into account. And that they're taking his age into account. They're also taking his college into account because in order for them to get through the recruiting rules, the, the NCAA rules to get him to Ole Miss and to play, because Sean Tui was a booster for the Ole Miss program, that's how they went about making sure that they did it within the parameters of whatever was set up, the guardrails there by the NCAA and, and through the Mississippi uh, College. Uh, the Blind Side also, the movie or the book, they never mention that the Tui's adopted or. That's the yeah. other thing, too. So that, it's all fascinating how Which quickly the story's gone back and forth. Uh, but I, I keep going back to that 2.5% and the, the tricked part of it. Um, and Chad, you, you spoke well there and earlier in the show about, hey, jumping to conclusions and headlines and clickbait, and here's the story, this 24-hour cycle, here's tomorrow's 24-hour cycle. Uh, there can always be something that comes out from or and the only thing we've heard from since he filed this through the, the courts is, I'll let, I will let this speak for itself through the document, through the lawsuit. So the saga continues. Yeah, and we got to see more in that uh, to know exactly what's going on there. I know I sent you guys this tweet last night. This is from uh, Jason Munns, who writes for Memphis News, who said the Tui family legal team says Tui got $100,000 each for the blind side. Um, and then someone responded and said, well, what about the royalties? And he says the royalties are included in the 100 k According to the attorneys, they said everyone got 14000 up front plus 2.5% of the movie's profits which worked out to 86000 per member of the family, including Orr, who took all of it. So, Well, let me go back to Michael Lewis's quote is, then. Is there a – well, Michael Lewis is talking about um, what, what they got originally. No, but, I know, but he also mentions the movie, too, and what Orr turned down. 
It's weird. Yeah, like, well, again, his, uh, but, there's a lot of different numbers thrown around. Well, show the numbers. I mean, I, the, right. the, the attorneys are saying this, then show the documents that say it. But that is coming from directly from Tui's attorneys. And I said that to you guys because that jumped out to me. And I said, well, he got $100,000. Is there a chance that Michael Orr just uh, suspects wildly that there's a lot more money out there that he's not seeing? Or and someone Michael, has told him that. And what Michael Lewis is saying is the actual truth, that who he should be mad at is Hollywood and not the Tuies, that he didn't make more money off of this because they made the same amount as he did? Yeah, but, I mean, he would be pissed off about that from the jump, though, right? Not just at 37. I don't know because he wasn't pissed off about a conservatorship from the jump, no, but, but he is 37. But he, but he didn't like the film. He said that. He said his, it made him look dumb. Yeah, but he, he, he didn't – he said he just didn't like the blind side. He didn't like how it portrayed him. So, I mean, but he was saying that in NFL locker rooms when he was playing. Yeah. After his college career. Chad, coming up, uh, we've got Pedro uh, mocking the Yankees. It's always good. It's always good banter. The back and forth between Pedro and the Red Sox. And I the could, New York I Yankees could hear and, Pedro say Chihuahua over and over again. You'll hear it. I'll go to over sleep and tonight and listen up. to Pedro Martinez say Chihuahua. And the Yankees and Mets will go to sleep tonight hoping not to have a nightmare about the Atlanta Braves. Well, they'll they, be having that nightmare for a while. <laughs> that was a nightmare lineup they just faced. Plus, the greatest soccer player on the planet is in Nashville this weekend. Details there on the guy who didn't take the Saudi money. That's next. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Ehop Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Show has flown by today. That's the flown goal every day. by. To get to 5 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Eastern. Hutton, it's like Made I just happen. saw you for the first time today. Good. I looked over here, and it was like I saw Hutton for the first time. That's the feeling I got. That's Chad. how fast this thing has gone today. Chad will be holding my hand in, in a moment here at the, the broadcast side of Sixth and Peabody. Can I ask you a quick fair foul about my softball practice last night? Absolutely. Um... I had a little fielding practice the first time. Tried to, get, tried to get a little um, – thank you. It's over now. No. <laughs> trying to get a little infield work in with what I think will might be some of our infield, right, for the first time, yeah. leading into our first game. And uh, there was a girl, very tough girl, uh, playing catcher, and I just had her put the mask on, nothing else. Very tough. But she repeatedly just oh, took, took softballs off her shin every time. Very tough. My daughter was playing first, and she would throw it in home. And she would just miss it, and it would hit her right in the shin. And I was getting concerned for her. And I, was, and I, I did this, and I thought maybe I was a little too sarcastic the way I did that. And I said, uh, I went up to her and I said, hey, are, do I need to go get you your shin guards, the shin guards for the thing? She's like, no. And I said, well, then use your glove because you're going to kill yourself if you don't use your glove yeah, to stop going it to, you're going to be a one every leg. time. And I got done, and she kind of looked at me confused, like, is Coach getting an attitude with me? Is he mad at me? Are we going to fight? And I thought to myself, I was trying to joke. It was one of those where you're trying to joke around. Is there a around, culture problem on this team? But there was a disconnect on the sense of humor of that seven-year-old I was talking to, to where she didn't get my sarcastic <laughs> sense of humor. Oh, that's believable. Because I said, well, you know what will help <laughs> with those? between Chad Do and you see those welts on your shin? <laughs> what will help with that is using your glove to catch the ball instead of your shins to stop it every time. But I kind of said no, it, it in a fat – because I was trying to hit – It's 100% fair. I'm trying to hit ground balls and do different things. And I'm, I'm like, do I – I said, 
can I please go get you some shin guards here? Or are you going to catch a ball tonight? Is, you know, kind of the way I was trying to frame it. Will but, she be wearing shin guards moving forward? Well, when we get in the game, she has to. Right. But I'm we're saying not, in practice. No one's pitching. You know, I'm just like, hey, just put this on to get used to seeing things through this, this catcher's mask if you're going to catch. Yeah, right, the, but good to know that it's fair. That's good. The, I think it's fair. Uh, maybe she took it in a sarcastic way, but I think it's fair. You're looking in the best interest of your, of your player. Sometimes, well like the Dale Sturdivant, uh, Will Ferrell character when he was sarcastic and cutting with the dogs, sometimes oh. a good cutting remark can really get these girls in shape. A little bit of sarcasm goes a long way sometimes. I found that to be true with both adults and kids. No sarcasm from Pedro Martinez. Uh, and his reaction to the, the Yankees' uh, recent uh, losing woes, most recently to the Atlanta Braves. Just unbelievable. It's, it's hard to watch the Yankees go that way. I remember watching the Yankees early in the season, and when they were going well, they looked like so confident. It was like watching uh, a bulldog beat up on a chihuahua when they were playing those teams. And now they look like the chihuahuas to, to any other team, especially a good team like the Atlanta Braves. There's Pedro. Chihuahua. I love how he says Chihuahua. I, I could sit and listen to him talk all day. Yeah, let me also say that he loves what's happening to the Yankees. Don't let him say, man, I, really, I, I hate seeing what's happening to the Yankees. really hard to watch how they were Bulldogs earlier in the season. Now they're Chihuahuas. And I'm thinking, no. 14 it, games out. Yeah, he, he loves what he is seeing what, from these Yankees. What is the stat you were alluding to on the Yankees right now? By the way, shout out to Brooke again, who won in trivia last night oh. because she was paying attention to this show, Hot Mike, on Outkick, and she heard me say that the Yankees were 60 and 60. And one of her trivia questions was, what AL East team is a 60 and 60 dead even right now? And she didn't even know the AL East, the division, but she knew the Yankees because she what listened to win? the show. What did you win? Oh, they, she, oh, she they didn't, didn't win. win. She just won that question. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Hutton, everyone who listens and watches the show is a winner in their own way. Yeah. I'm just telling you, she won that round Even because Matt? of that. Yeah, let's not Even Matt? Let's not pay attention to details here like she didn't Matt's win the whole thing. Okay, Matt She won wins. that round. That's what matters is she listened. Uh, Matt had no idea. If we had asked that question right after I said it, he wouldn't have gotten it right. Brooke, later that night, heard it on the show, was able to compute that what and we're here win for. that round in trivia. So the Yankees... They are now one game under, okay? So while Brooke was winning in trivia, they lost. They fell one game below 500. This is the latest in the season. They have been below 500 since Derek Jeter got called up from AAA in 1995, and that was the last season they finished with a losing record. And that's the last season they've been this far into the season at 500. Yes, we but now they, they fell below yeah. for the first time. If they go, if they don't, correct things and at least go over 500, it'll be the first losing season since Jeter got called up mid-season oh. in 1995. Since Derek Jeter was the opening day starter, they have not had a losing season. They, uh, that is remarkable. They begin a weekend series now at they'll host Boston. They've got the Red Sox coming in, speaking of Pedro there. Chad, uh, the final tally of your Atlanta Braves over New York teams over the last week. Is it 58-13? 58-13. The only real crime in all this is that they weren't 7-0. I mean, that, you hear that score and you think, you know, 6-1 is pretty good. But, um, yeah, they went 6-1 and one against New York baseball teams. 58-13 to 13 was the final tally. I, I just now, – now the Braves are getting to a point where they're so good that it's going to be a letdown if they don't win at all. 
right? They feel like a team of destiny that's like, man, this is one of the all-time greats. And if they lose in the first round, it's going to be a real, real shot. Um, so there is going to be a fever pitch here in Nashville for the greatest soccer pl- uh, player on the planet who's coming to town. Uh, we are no soccer aficionados here, Chad and I. No, we're not. But we have one in studio with Colin Warner, who handles all things Outkick Radio Network for us. Colin, here comes Messi to Nashville. Uh, you were in attendance earlier this week, and then certainly you were watching Inter-Miami as they advance, and you sent us a text and said, Messi to Nashville, boys. Are you going to be in expletive, attendance? Expletive, expletive. Are you going to be in say. attendance to see Messi play on Saturday? I am going to find a way to be in attendance, whether it's crawling through a tunnel, going over a fence. What are tickets going for? Uh, tickets right now are going for – so I – They've gone down, though, right? They have gone down since yesterday when they went on pre-sale for season ticket holders. Okay. And then the general public like myself. Uh, they started off – in so supporter section where I sit usually range about 25 to $35 regular MLS games. Yesterday, they were starting off at 300 for season ticket holders and 800 for general public. So, yeah, it's, it's, and it's not an NSC or a Nashville thing or even a Ticketmaster thing. It's just the League's Cup. And the League's Cup is a tournament inside of the MLS season. So uh, tickets are going down, as Chad said. So right now, I think the latest was about $625 for supporter section, which is standing room only. And if you're familiar, ever watched an MLS game, it's the drumming and the chanting. And as Brooke knows, I'm a clapper, not a singer. <laughs> she was at a game last Friday. So, yeah. So hopefully, I would be with you on that. Yeah, that beautiful voice, you should be a singer. Yeah, and, uh, Everyone wants to hear that beautiful voice sultry. now. So here's Messi. Sound like Rob Gronkowski talking yes. to Kay This Adams. has been a massive success for MLS. And, and for Messi, who is the guy who didn't take the Saudi money. Meanwhile, Ronaldo and Neymar... Uh, the two other popular soccer figures uh, that come to mind. Mbappe, we know, didn't either, but he has financial reasons elsewhere where he's trying to go. Um, From an MLS perspective, can it be any better the way Messi's playing? No, it can't. I mean, he has six goals in his first nine games. It it can't be. Winners, too, like the drama. I mean, the social media following and the millions of people who have rewatched that free kick against, I believe it was Cruz Azul in his first game to win the game in the 90th minute. I mean, you, I know, you know, the Hollywood writers are on strike, but they, you, they couldn't have written this any better. And in the whole, the global ecosystem of soccer, the, the, the amount of money and eyeballs that are on the MLS right now are, are massive. And the amount of eyeballs that are going to be on Nashville this weekend is massive. So you can't write it any better. What he's doing with, like I said, the social media followers, uh, Apple Plus TV, his first three games, they saw an increase in viewership. And I know I think we've said before that Apple doesn't really release numbers, but they did release the numbers on his first three games, and it's unbelievable. Uh, his first game was Spanish on Univision, had like 1.75 million people watching. That was the highest MLS single-season game since I think 2004. So what he's doing overall is just amazing. And it's, it, it's just a boon for the MLS, for Apple, for everyone. How pissed off are the Nashville SC supporters that go to every game, or most of them, 
that now can't afford to go to this game, the biggest soccer event in the history of the city of Nashville, uh, because, uh, you know, quite frankly, the Clay Travis's of the world <laughs> who said yesterday, never even thought about going to an MLS game, but I'll probably go to this one. I'll probably pay for me and my kids to go to this one. It's going to be the elite of Nashville at this game, right? And it's going to suffocate out the diehard supporters of the team. Is there a, a Although groundswell of, of anger from those people? Yeah, there's two camps. There is. And you know, all the supporters clubs and the supporters groups are – the people who have been with the club since, you know, since it was a small team playing at Vanderbilt Stadium and those those regulars that can't afford this, that there is a groundswell. The season ticket holders, what they've been doing or what they did apparently is buy up all the tickets or buy extra tickets because you could buy six and thinking that they could sell them for a high end, make their money back and then make some. Um, I felt bad. I, like I said yesterday to our crew, I, I felt I feel bad for the families with the small kids who, you know, those kids just want to see Messi, and they have to wait until next year, but they can't afford, you know, tickets, $1,000 a ticket, you can't afford a $4,000 soccer Clay game. Play small kid will get to see him. Yeah. yeah Clay will be there. Don't worry about that. So <laughs> Some small kids will get to see Messi. I just want to be clear on that. Just yeah, not, I mean, there's a groundswell. People are pissed. Supporters are pissed, but hopefully by Saturday, you know, be, half the stadium hasn't sold out yet. So hopefully by Saturday the, the, the prices will come down. To you know, I guess manageable, even if a hundred dollars is manageable. But so even the early release went from thirty-five dollars in the semifinal to three hundred dollars. Yeah, for season ticket holders. Wow. And then for pre-sale for just normal Joes like myself, they were up to eight hundred. Think about that impact for the league. That and again, it, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, know this is the other big. tournament, but you've got this how, is massive. How important is the league's cup? Uh, well, well this what is, is this? Exactly? This is basically the inaugural season, the okay. inaugural tournament. So this so, is like the uh, NBA uh, midseason tournament exactly. of the MLS. If you're familiar with like the English Premier League, it's like the FA Cup kind of thing. It's a month long tournament. Uh, it's huge. It's huge for Nashville. It's huge, huge for Miami because it's it's getting a trophy. And both teams came into the league in 2008, uh, 2020. So it's it's getting a trophy. It's you. The, Nashville's already qualified for the Concacaf Champions Cup which is a global tournament. And so it's just it's it's huge for the team for what this community has has how they built this team and it's just it's massive now if the supporters can get into the grounds. I'm interested to see if the tickets don't go down too much. I want to see what the stadium sounds like because the past 8 days have been an absolute banana nutcase. It's been off the wall. You know, I I shared a video with with Chad the day the after the uh, Club America game, after we thought we lost, we thought we won, we thought we lost. It's crazy. Yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm hoping we can all get in at a decent price, and it'll be absolute bonkers. Well, messy fever is pretty cool to see yeah. across America and now hitting our town. And it doesn't here in happen. Nashville. It doesn't happen if he no, doesn't turn no. down the 1.5 billion. I know it's crazy, but it's it's awesome to see all that here. Quick shout out also. I'm very impressed with Apple's coverage of MLS. From what I've I have seen, not it's watched great. much, but I've watched the last two matches, a good good chunk of both now, and I think their their production value. Say what you want about. Apple company, their production value is top-notch, and every show they do, everything they produce is really, really well done. We've got to get Colin in the building for Messi on Saturday. We need to. My, I'm, I'm not even worried about the trophy. It's just uh, the, the trophy is getting to see Messi play Pose is person. one of Clay's kids, and you'll get I in. have a yeah. limit. I already know what I want to spend, so hopefully it gets around there. What if I pose as Clay and take Colin as my son? Maybe Clay can uh, open a conservatorship for you. <laughs> 
Maybe <laughs> maybe binding. the two, maybe the Tui family can finally adopt someone. That's <laughs> <laughs> not legally binding. They can maybe the Tui's will be there. And yeah. I, you know, Michael I, uh, may be well, there. Well, Sean Tui, adopt me, please. Uh, you, you've really <laughs> dropped the ball not adopting Michael. Adopt me, and then I'll go to the game. Colin, appreciate you, man. You're the man, Colin. Thanks, fellas. Messy to Nashville. I, I uh, Chad, I mean, Taylor Swift, global icon. It's a, it's a, big, it's a big deal. Now it, anyone who's the least bit cynical on soccer, this is a big deal. Everyone should acknowledge that. Yeah. We're back at it tomorrow to get you to the weekend, 3 o'clock Eastern, for Outkicks Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow.